What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. It is myself and Maddie D making his triumphant return to the show. We talk everything in the sports world. The baseball schedule dropped. The NHL's return to play dates dropped. Basketball bubble trouble. The schedule itself. Players sitting out. Patrick Mahomes' new contract. Bryson DeChambeau being a crazy person and winning at the same time, plus double weeks at Muirfield Village. We talk about every major sport except for pretty much the MLS, considering that came back. We didn't talk about it, but baseball, hockey, basketball, football, golf, everything else in this show. As always, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. Follow us on Instagram, Sports. Join the Facebook group, the Bullpen Cart Podcast, is where you want to join, be a part of the conversation. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave a comment in the show notes, tweet at us, all that good stuff. But enjoy this week's episode. This was a lot of fun to record, and here we go. Welcome to this episode of the podcast here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, and making his triumphant return in just under three months as the co-founder of the Thunder Blog, Mr. Matty D. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm great. It's good to be back. Loving uh, what's happening in the sports world. Um, and I'll look, I'll give you a quick preview of what I've been doing during quarantine. Matty travels. Okay? I've I've been golfing. That's what I've been doing. Okay. Um, we'll talk a little bit about golf coming up, but I, I got the opportunity to play a new course for me. Uh, the old white course at the Greenbrier Resort, West Virginia. It was down there two weekends ago. It uh, used to be on the PGA Tour. Um, it was called the Greenbrier Classic. The name's changed. They've since lost it, mostly due to a flood issue back in 2016. Um, and they've had some issues ever since. The course, though, is immaculate. I highly recommend the location. You know what I, I, I called? I, the course to me was, it was lovely. Um, awesome green complexes, very narrow but long. Uh, oh. Some very challenging holes. They also have the Meadows, which is another 18-hole course there. They have the Greenbrier, which used to be 18, but it's only nine since the flooding. And probably my new favorite thing I need to have installed at one of our many golf courses that we have the opportunity to play around here, and that is a par three executive course all the holes were 100 yards or under roughly it was like a 110 out there so it's wedges only for them for, for our level of golf dude so walking nine holes six greens double, i mean just the oh, most awesome. fun so i recommend the Greenbrier. i recommend try to get out the old white it's a great course love it our 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 four caddy was amazing did you check out the falconry um, we did not check out the Falconry, but we have heard about it, so we might have to go back. Yeah, Phil Mickelson, so, every commercial. That's what he talked about. Yeah, Falconry. exactly. We, uh, Keegan Bradley has a house on the property. John Smoltz is building a house on the property, the former Braves pitcher. Um, Sam Sneed is the guy there uh, back in the day. Oh, Thirty-five hole-in-ones hole at the Greenbrier. Oh, my God. That. Yep. One location. <laughs> One location. Last one, he was in his he was in his early 80s on his last one. Uh, beautiful clubhouse facility. Um, just a recommendation to anybody 
So anyway, that's my plug. That's what I've been doing during quarantine mostly is golf, golf, golf. Um, I don't know if I can get to 100 rounds this year, G, but I've been pushing it hard. So we'll see. I lost a little bit this weekend, but we're going to get back on it this coming weekend. So I'm fired up. Yeah, I've put a good amount. I mean, I've talked about it a lot, had uh, some of our stuff, including our the Match of Idiots on the Thunderbug Instagram. Um, I've played multiple rounds a weekend. The only one I didn't was Father's Day. I only played Saturday of that weekend. So Pennsylvania course is open, I think. Uh, oh, no, it was May 1st. So, you know, over two months ago. I was about to say two months ago today, but today is July 8th that we're recording this. So uh, smart smart calendar guy here. But uh, yeah, I've I've definitely hit twenty. Every score on my on my handicap revision is I think June and up, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, nice. Normally, it takes me a while to, to erase the previous year, so uh, I'm proud of that. Uh, get my handicap lower. Um, this new world handicap system it helps a little bit when you get a good score. But yeah, it's been a uh, golf has been has been definitely in the forefront. But like you mentioned, a lot of exciting things happening in the sports world. We yeah. talked about it last week, Jared and I did, that baseball is coming back. The schedule was released on Monday night. We got the the official news. It was, it was said that the divisional, the regions were going to play each other, so the East playing the East, Central, Central, West, West. And we got it. Matt, what is your impressions of how baseball is structured for the 60-game season? Well, I... I'm happy they figured it out. I know that you know something you guys can talk about, but I I cannot be happier that they that they figured it out. Um, I also agree with what they've set up in this case. Um, I, I think it's kind of the only way to try to a limit the travel, b keep people safe. Um, from a from a so. Uh, yeah, my I guess my answer is yes. I mean, I think they did a really good job with it. it, it you know, with the circumstances being the circumstances, what I think stinks for a Philadelphia fan is that the NF AL East is loaded. So we are stuck playing the, the, the Yankees, the, um, the Rays and Boston. Um, so that, that's kind of tough. Um, and all, so we'll kind of see what happens as they release more, but I, um, but I do think it's nice. Uh, it's kind of a shame we really shouldn't be traveling because it'd be really fun to go to all these cities oh my and God. watch our teams play. Yeah. So that's pre- kind of a bummer. It would be pretty cool. And, I mean, don't discount Toronto is what I would immediately say. They play them the third, yeah. the third to last season or series of the season. They're a really young team. If they come out hot and they just keep it going, it's only 60 games. Uh, so they, yeah. could be, they could be right in the mix. And you mentioned it. It's uh, – It'll be really interesting. They haven't officially said what they're doing with the playoffs. Still haven't said anything about that. Uh, I have a feeling that seven-game idea that got thrown out last year is probably they're going to try try it this year to probably to say because the AL Central isn't as loaded, the Pirates are not that good. Those teams inherently have an advantage. If the Reds end up having some sort of big push, similarly to a Toronto, a lot of big acquisitions they made, especially offensively, uh, you know that that could be incredibly fun to watch. Same thing with the, with the Western divisions, with how that how that could shake up. Um, yeah, but you're right. Being a a Phillies fan and seeing that they have to play the Yankees four times, and that's four of your first seven games. The Red Sox four times. They do play Toronto six times, uh, which I thought was interesting. That they the quote unquote natural rivals. The way they decided to deal with that instead of doing the four game series that's in two cities. They're still doing that, but it's with a, I guess, pseudo-natural rival. The Phillies and Yankees have a, 
have this happening. But your natural rivals, so the New Yorks, Chicago's, LA's of the world, you're playing them six times, once home and away. And it's only it's still in home stadiums, which I guess is a good and a bad thing. Um, you you get a competitive advantage, right, of being able to, to know how your outfield plays or something like that. Right. Like, I, I, Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was last year that the Phillies let up an inside-the-park home run in Colorado because, and I think it might have been the now uh, suspended indefinitely, Odubel Herrera missed playing a ball off of the center field fence at Coors Field. You know, so that still exists, but it'll be really, it'll be fun to see how this all goes because there is, you know, that, that short sprint, there's certainly every game has its, you know, its meaning to it. And it'll be really interesting to see. I heard an interview with Trevor Bauer on a, a certain world popular podcast today of him talking about, you know, being pissed off if he gets pulled early, but then after, you know, a couple hours when he's addressing the media after the game being, you know, getting it because it is, you know, it's a shorter season, so a shorter leash. So I think that's going to be, it's going to be really fun to see that. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think, first of all, I think Major League Baseball and the players should embrace the 60 game season. It's going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity with all these, like kind of this enjoyment. I know it's not pure baseball. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to be totally different. Totally. It's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. Like I'm kind of excited to see, how all these players do? Do we have any wild stats? I mean, can somebody bat 400? And look, everything should have an asterisk on it. I'm okay with that. But if we live through the steroid era, right, and the dead ball era, we can live through a six, one 60-game season that should just be a great time. I mean, um, I don't know if I love all the rule changes. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with the designated hitter this year in the NL. Um, that's fine with me. Um I'm okay with the the uh, the 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 pitcher facing three batters. Oh, I love that. Rule. Or finish half inning. I think that's good for baseball yeah, too. I love that as soon as they introduced it for that exact reason. It's good for baseball. I get the no lefty specialist, but I think just like how the lefty specialist changed the game, this is going to change how pitching strategy is implemented. And I think if there's something to implement just to speed up the game, this is it. Yeah. I think the, the, before we get to the rule that I think we might both have an issue with, um, the, I, I'm fascinated. So you can't spit on baseballs. You can't always get baseballs back. You can't always get a new baseball. That's going to be fascinating to watch oh, some yeah. of these pitchers who are so mentally locked into their thing and how they're going to affect that is going to be. <laughs> yeah. going to be even just licking their fingers before they, they grip the ball for a curveball or something like that. I get they said they're going to have wet towels and all that sort of stuff, but that's got to be, you know, you're almost coming up with a different routine. Going back to golf, I mean, you and I both have our little dumb things we do, whether it's, you know, f- you know, tying your, your or strapping the Velcro on your glove twice, or right. I like to tap my driver on the ground right before I hit it. I mean, these are professional mm-hmm. pitchers that throw how many pitches in a single year and include, you know, in-game and in in simulated games and spring training and the off season, they have that ingrained into their brains so deeply that it's going to be very fascinating to see. And you're, you're right. It is going to be exciting to see how these guys adapt to that. And, and just to, 
I agree that if there is some sort of 400 season, which I, I think that would be, I mean, it'd be incredibly impressive because just two months, even even a month batting 400 is right. nearly impossible to do. Um, I wouldn't put, I don't, I don't know what your thought on World Series champion, and I think part of that does come to the playoffs, but I still probably wouldn't put a, put a uh, an asterisk there just because we've seen no. crazier stuff happen, but the stats, I it's agree. It's a level there's... playing. It's yeah, a exactly. level playing field, right? Yeah. So the statistics side, it's not, but, but you're playing each other, you know, figure it out, make it work, right? Um, yeah. I think the rule that we probably both, I'm not totally against it, but I have my res- reservations is the batter on second and extra innings. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not a fan of it. I think it's, uh, I just think it's wild that you can, yeah, that you basically could end the game right away. Uh, now, granted, it's baseball, right? So that, that, if say it's Mets at Phillies, the Mets get a single, a guy scores, the Phillies are going to have a guy start there, and it's supposed to be the guy who was last up, right? Gets that on part second is base. the thing I think that might be the saving grace. It's yeah. whoever was the last batter of the inning before. Yeah. So, so what that means is you can't put out, you know, your fastest player, Billy Hamilton, to to to, to run. Yeah, to steal third base and then and then a sack fly sends right. him in. The problem I have, I think, with it a little bit is that uh, theoretically, a really smart team like a Joe Madden, like a Cubs, like a Joe, like, well, I mean, uh, Joe Madden might do it, but Joe, Joe Madden no punt? longer with the Cubs, right? And with the Rays, excuse me, my no, with nothing. Anyway, disregard my comments. <laughs> Hang on, I, I was thinking of the ingenuity of, of an intelligent manager. But the Rays, the Rays is still a good idea because they are they are an, an ingenious but, team, right? That comes up with these but, ideas. Right, you bunt, you bunt him to third, and you hit a sack fly. Oh yeah. I, 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 and by the way, as soon as the guy, if the guy gets to third, any kind of a pass ball, I think it'll be fun television, like to watch. I just don't know from my, from the side of me that loves baseball and its purity. I don't know if I'll love it as much. Yeah, it, it is something crazy to think about that if like Bryce Harper pops up in the in the ninth inning and he's on second base, do you tell Reese Hoskins to bunt? Like, are are you gonna? You know, have him do that and, and see how well he's a team player and all that sort of stuff, which Reese, by all accounts, is a great dude, so I'm sure he would. But, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be incredibly interesting to see. But it is something to that effect of, like, you know, constructing an, a designated hitter lineup and how they're going how they're going to construct it that way, almost with the fail-safe in mind of making sure that no matter where you are, even thinking of it of, like, the groups of three, your one, two, three hitters, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, of always having a speedy guy there. So it'll be very cool to see how lineups are constructed. Do they go the more traditional route? Do the National League teams, because of this is something new for them too, of having a DH, do they try to be a little more interesting with it? How do they approach the DH in terms of building their lineup? Do they try to give guys days off, like a you know, or do they do they rotate who's a DH? Like do the Phillies give JT Realmuto every fifth day as, as a DH to save his knees and say, Hey, we, we really are going to invest in you, but we want to, you know, just, you know, treat you well during the season. Then we'll pay you in the off season, something like that. I mean, that's my hope is that they pay him. Bryce Harper's hoping it. I hope you saw that today where JP Realmuto went oppo and Bryce Harper screamed, pay him. But also a lot of home runs out of the Phillies camp today. So it got me uh, very excited, but it's good. It is going to be very fun to see how this all happens. It's just, it's glad it's happy to have baseball back. It's great that it's such a quick turnaround. They reported on July 3rd opening day is July 23rd, my birthday and everybody else starts on July 24th, which is just incredible. that They're able to turn this around so quickly. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And you know, speaking of JT, I'm definitely excited for, for our fills this oh, yeah. year. Um, I, 
I'm all about the fact that Bryce is pushing for the Phillies to give Romuto a new contract. I know it's a tough time to do it with everything going on, but you know what? A player, someone, another sports athlete we're going to talk about just got paid a massive deal. Mm-hmm. So personally, I, I think it's the right time. I, I, I would give the best catcher in baseball the money. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm really excited for him. I mean, I'm really excited for this lineup. If you look at it top to bottom, um, I, you know, you got Gregorius coming in to play short, Segura, a third, Kingery. I mean, assuming everything holds true, like I'm saying. Yeah. You know, um, Hoskins, JT. Where's the the major weakness is what? Adam, Adam, uh, how's he out in center field? Like, yeah, maybe him. Uh, maybe by like, the way, maybe I, see what happens with McCutcheon, but he seems fine. Yeah, I, I also know that. By the way, I'm I'm assuming these guys are all going to have good seasons. I'm just saying yeah, from yeah. A, from at least from a name perspective. Yeah, and and, that, and that Scott I, Kingery comes back from a from coronavirus healthy. The quote he right. gave was was pretty scary. I mean, that's of the it's athletes true. we've seen get it is uh, that's probably one of the at least of uh, I, I haven't read every single athlete that has it in their comments on it. But Kingery's like, oh, I'm like shaking all the time. So that's a little nervous. Nerve wracking. Gotta fix that one. Yeah. Um, I still, so I think it comes down to what we have pitching wise, what we have in the bullpen yeah. behind, behind Aaron Nola. And you would expect Zach Wheeler. What can we get from guys like Arietta and Eflin? Do they have anything left in the tank? You know, Pavetta, uh, Pavetta is he even a starter or is he out of the bullpen? I don't know. Like, yeah. I, you know, to Tommy Hunter have any success. What about Neris? Uh, you know, so there's a lot of questions with the bullpen. I think that's the scariest part. The positive is, you know, if you have a good starting pitching, you can get around the bullpen. I don't know. I just, I'm certainly excited for this team. I think they've got a lot going for them, but I'm certainly worried about the pitching in general and specifically really after Nola, because I do like Wheeler a lot. Don't get me wrong, but he needs to prove that he's an ace with the money we're giving him, not a, not a middle of the road starter. Now he's an ace. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I was going to say like, Oh, they have all this money and I forgot how much they shut out to Zach Wheeler. Um, all the money they didn't pay Keuchel or Craig Kimbrell last year, but that's where it went. Uh, <laughs> there's probably still some left over because that's a lot of money Comcast gave him. But regardless, Zach Wheeler's getting paid a lot. I totally agree with you, and it's funny that last year I was so optimistic in the, coming into the Philly season because of you know Sir Anthony Dominguez after a great rookie year, Aaron Nola has this Cy Young runner-up season and all this, and, and even just overlooking the, the very obvious faults, and now they're – so glaringly there because of how last year went. Um, it is the biggest question. It's going to remain it. Um, the bullpen was always a question last year. It was the starting pitching I was much more optimistic about. But, you know, we'll, it'll be very interesting to see how it all goes because, yeah, I mean, it, it starts and breathes there. We saw – we've seen a couple times, specifically five years ago with the Royals, and even last year, granted – the Nationals used a little more of an unconventional strategy, bringing starters out of the bullpen. But it was a similar case of they didn't need to get even six innings out of a starter and could and could go that far. The Royals did it the most successfully of just getting through the sixth inning, and even sometimes just getting getting a middle reliever there to just be a stopper, get their offense playing small ball and all that sort of stuff. So teams that are built that way may be like like a Rays who likes to use the opener strategy. Are they going to be? Are they going to have somewhat of an advantage of just knowing these high-pressure situation games and being a little more set to go that way? And how do the Phillies, how does Joe Girardi in his first year in Philadelphia, how do, how do they respond to that? Yeah, I, and and that, I think it's 
I, 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 do you think it's, I'm, I'm stumbling on my words because I'm trying to figure out if, you, if I think it's better or worse to have a brand new manager for this type of a season. I think it's good that we, that, so the man, brand new is tough because, I don't know, it's like, it, like Gabe Kapler was always under the hot seat because he started the season away from Philadelphia. He pulls Aaron Nola on opening day, which actually like, Looking at it from a from a blind resume of a guy, Aaron Nola had a rough 2017, pulls him in this first start in 2018, and granted in Atlanta, but still early in the season, you know, where it's a little colder, pitcher's arms aren't fully stretched out. But then he comes and gets booed on opening day. Like, right. Joe Girardi doesn't have that that possibility of, he loses, you know, the first couple games to the Marlins, the teams are supposed to be god-awful. And has that, you know, and then granted it would be in, it's in Philly, so it would be in front of the home crowd anyway, but he doesn't have that sort of negative reaction off the gate. Granted, everybody's going to be watching on television anyway, WIP still exists, the fan still exists, all this stuff that people are going to be calling into, you know, insert talk show head here to be like, oh yeah, this bum, whatever. But I'm glad that it's a guy who has experiences because if it was somebody, now granted Gabe Kapler has a job and now he's experienced. But if it was somebody who was just fresh out of the gate, who, you know, or even a second year manager who this is his first job and everything, I'm glad that there's somebody experienced rather than lesser experienced or just completely fresh to the table. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to be, that's why I'm excited because it's going to be really fun. I mean, you know, we're going to get a lot of baseball, a lot of time. It's going to be just it's going to be just a wonderful ride. Um, And I think the other positive is even if your team doesn't do well because of the shortness of the season, a you don't necessarily lose interest. You don't like lose interest in there, but there could be a lot of interesting statistical things happening. That's going to make you want to tune in. You know, there's a chance that one of these big time pitchers doesn't lose a game. I mean, theoretically, right. I mean, they're only going to get what 12, 13 starts, maybe, maybe, so you could have a, a couple undefeated pitchers. I mean, that'd be kind of fun. That kind of stuff would be really interesting to, to, to witness. Yeah, I'm looking up Zach Greinke's 2009 season. You remember that with the Royals? Um, uh, I'm he, assuming, I'm no, I don't, but I'm assuming it's pretty good. He, this is his breakout year, and he has this incredible start to the season where, let's see, uh, let's just, the, it's only show, the baseball reference only shows his Maybe I can find the specific season. But he started off so hot. Oh, here we go. 2009 pitching log. Uh, Yeah. In April and May, he was – or he had a couple – I guess he had a couple losses under his belt. Um, Or just one, excuse me. But going into June, his ERA was 1.1 through May. And that was through 11 starts. It's – he didn't let up a run for his first four starts. He let up two in his fifth start against the Blue Jays, where he he threw a what's GS? Oh, just game started. Um, but he let up two, and that brought it up to point five. Then a complete game shutout the next game that brought it down to point four, which was the lowest. It eventually rose above two in July. So he was under two for three months of the year. That is. A grand total of 16 starts, and then he finished the season with a 2.6 ERA, and he got it nearly back down to two in his second to last start of the year. Went 16 and eight. That's 17 and eight. Excuse me. No, no. So it's out there. It's out there. Yeah. 
Like, this was, like, I remember, like, reading about this, and, like, that's, like, it's his breakout year. We read about, like, what happened to him and how he had, you know, mental health stuff and all this. Like, it's possible. Or a Josh Hamilton type of thing where it comes around to the All-Star break. I mean, even Aaron Judge's first half of 2017, remember how crazy that was? He had 30 home runs. Right, yeah. Somebody is going to do something crazy. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and you bring up a really good point, though, of, like, a young guy that gets called up. Like if Alec Brom, the Philly stud third baseman prospect, like say Scotty Jetpacks isn't ready to go and they just say, all right, Alec, here you go. You don't have the fans to to get in your head, so no excuses. And he goes on a tear. Like we could see like, we could really see a paradigm shift for a lot of different teams yeah. whose prospects are coming up. Just, I mean, granted, they're starting the season with 30 and they're going to eventually weave it down to 26 guys. But I mean, it's going to be cool to see of these guys that are getting a chance. They're invited to camp. And if they get, if they really, you know, pull out their opportunities. I mean, even the teams that are supposed to be terrible. If the, if the Tigers say we're supposed to be awful anyway, let's get our top prospects up here and play against these guys. It'll be, it'll be fun to see, just hear how these, these new guys go and, and maybe reinvigorate some excitement in Detroit. I don't think they're, you know, that means they're going to compete next year. But still, like, you're going to have guys like when Reese Hoskins came up three years ago and coming into 2018, we had this guy that we could all rally around. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, like I said, just excited for it. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're going to be getting a ton of sports. Yeah, August is going to be it's gonna hit us. Right. So, you know, I think next on the ballot is that our sport, if you will, oh, yeah. second sport, first sport, maybe, has set some dates. Yes. Um, and the NHL will be returning to play the playoffs, essentially. Yes. <laughs> Which I love. I know it's tough, but uh, I I love it. Yeah. 2014 so, tournament. Yeah, we haven't gotten your opinion on this at all because all the news came out since since the last time you were on. What do you think about 24 right. teams? What do you think about the, the crazy draft pick stuff? All this. Matty D, go off. Well, I, I, again – I'm on the opinion that any sport that can figure out how to get it done should get it done. And any way they want to do it, they should do it. It's going to be fun for everybody to watch. Just like with baseball, it's going to be a wild 24-team tournament. You know, I think it could hurt some teams. Um, I think it could help some teams. If you think about, like, like let's let's say um, let's say the Rangers. Let's say King Henrik gets hot. Uh-oh. What about, you know, well, like, so there's some. goalies that could get hot. Right. That's the crazy thing because Henrik is on his way out. Right, the 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 uh, uh, Penguins get uh, Getzel back. That's a huge, that's a huge, you know, big time. So uh, there's it definitely allows some teams to potentially make a run that they wouldn't have been able to make. Oh yeah. Um, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for this. So uh, I love it. I love all about it. I think it's a great idea. Um, I. My, I guess my only uh, concern is I just don't want to see, like, I, I want the Flyers to win. <laughs> so I, I don't know how, I think this probably hurts them a little bit because they were coming in so hot yeah. to the playoffs um, and they've had a lot of time off. Um, and I think that might negatively affect them. Yeah, um, I guess you could say the same thing though. Like Tampa was the hot, was the hottest team, sec- Flyers second hottest, Bruins third hottest since, mm-hmm. you know, whatever date you want to pick. Um, and I guess you could say that about all three of them, that, like, they they were the hottest teams that, that Flame is out now, 
and now you know they have to play this play-in round which you know might be good it might be bad it, you know it might be a pie in the nhl's face that of the eight teams that got this that are in the play-in round five of them end up losing and you're wondering oh well, what the hell were we doing having these teams you know sit around playing right. these meaningless games uh, so that's an interesting question i'm obviously more optim or not obviously but i want to be more optimistic about it and think that these teams are just getting healthier and they'll figure some stuff out get their get their legs underneath them both they get they get some scrimmages too before it or at least they said they were supposed to um so that's a sign of optimism but yeah it'll be um yeah it'll be nuts i do i do love that they're doing it in canada I oh, love yeah. that they're going to Toronto and Edmonton. I think that's really fun for both those cities. That's where hockey is. Hockey is Canada. So I love that they're going. By the way, what a great time to be in Toronto and Edmonton. The weather is going to be gorgeous for them up there, even though I was, obviously they're going to have to be careful. But, like, it's not freezing cold um, in either of those Especially places. Especially for Edmonton. Edmonton is normally a – oh, my God. It's, it's, the, yes. it's the tundra. So Right. So I love it, man. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I'm happy they didn't do it in like LA, Vegas, or Chicago. Nothing against those cities. I just think this is you should do it where, um, where it should be. Like I, I don't know. I guess that's that's. Yeah, I don't know. I just uh, yeah, it's exciting. So I've had to ask you this with the Phillies. Did you see that that two kids hopped the fence at Citizens Bank Park today? I did not. No. So apparently, two kids did. What are the odds that this happens in Canada? No, no, they're too respectful up there. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> they're Canada. too nice. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, so it'll be it'll be excited. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so you mentioned the Rangers. Any other team? We'll, we'll do some sort of preview as we get closer. August 1st is the date they're going to start the, the round robin and qualifying round. Any other team that you have an eye out on that's a 9 through 12 seed in either conference? Is it wrong? Uh, I'm right to say the Blackhawks are in it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're the 12th yeah. seed in the West. Right. I'm telling you, man. I, I wouldn't want to play. Um, I, I wouldn't want to play the Blackhawks with that kind of experience they have. Yeah. I know they've had their issues, but it's like, if, I mean, God, geez. I mean, suddenly you're going to have to try to battle through that. So I, I think uh, I think that's a potential team to look at and say, you know, yikes. You know, we gotta we gotta potentially beat a team that has a lot of guys who have won a cup before. Um, and you think you, you would assume that they'll be ready to go, you know, right away. Um, could be wrong. So, um, but that definitely to me is like a little bit of something I wouldn't necessarily want to deal with. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. No, I mean that's that's really. And here's the thing, anybody can win it. That's kind of even the scarier part. Yeah. Is that. Is anybody coming? I mean, let's like, how about this? What about if uh, um, Bobrovsky gets hot for the Blue Jackets? Well, Bobrovsky is, Toronto... is a Panther now. Oh, what am I talking about? I'm having a moment here. Hey, you... Excuse me. It's not the been my. It's the off season my... did not exist for Matt. Apparently not. So <laughs> hang on. Let's say he gets hot, but let's say Toronto heats up, right? But, I mean, they're. But the Blue Jackets have Elvis Merzlikas, who was Bobrovsky like. Same with. Um... Who's the other guy? Who's his back? Who's uh, the original starter? Um, Corpusalo. Both of them were awesome. And Columbus was just all over the place. That was their only problem. So let me pose this question to you. Is it, do you think the winning team, do you think a hot goaltender wins it for you? So that's a really interesting question, right? Is that you have these teams, like look at the top four that are all getting buys. You have 
the Bruins tandem that that is that won the the William Jennings Trophy. You have Vasilevsky, who the only thing you can say about him is that he peaked too early the last couple years for Tampa. He's well rested. You have Braden Holpe, who won a Stanley Cup two years ago. You have our boy Carter Hart, who yep. granted never played in the playoffs, but you know he's, he's been great this year. And he yep. does not. And we talked about with baseball that you don't have to be in front of fans. He does not have to be in front of fans. So even just being away, his first playoff away game is virtually nothing. Right. You have Jordan Bennington, who just won a Stanley Cup. You have the Avalanche, mm-hmm. who have great goalies anyway, but also have an incredible offense to support them. The Golden Knights right. ha- have Flurry, and then the the Stars have Ben Bishop and a, and a couple other good guys. You're right in thing in the Blackhawks, who have still have Corey Crawford, who while he's getting older, they have Malcolm Subban, who they who they just kind of threw in when they traded Robin Lehner to the to the Golden Knights, and Malcolm Subban was a suitable f- sub in for Flurry. Now there's other teams too, like the right. Coyotes have like Kemper and stuff like that. So like all goalies that are in this have their moments of being these incredibly hot teams, like a Hellebuck on the Jets. I think it's going to be a mix between that. There's probably going to be some serious offense that goes out. A lot of people that are big Maple Leafs fans talk about the fact that they are always one of the best goal scoring teams in October and November. And then around Thanksgiving, they get figured out and they stop scoring. So some people, so Maple Leafs fans I've seen at least on Twitter and I've been watching a lot of Sportsnet videos on YouTube. Um, a lot of them are Maple Leafs fans, so they're pretty excited that way. But then there's the Islanders. You talked about teams that were super hot going into it. The Islanders were ice cold, get into this thing. They're pl- Granted, they're playing the Panthers and Sergei Bobrovsky, but they're also one of the best defensive teams in the league. That could turn into a like a one nothing set or five games since the first round series. And all of a sudden, you have this defensive stonewall of whoever, however the receding happens on either side that, that, that turns into it. So I think it's going to take not just a hot goalie, but you're going to need your defenseman to play well. I think experienced defensemen, i.e. something like what the Bruins have going is a huge advantage to you. Not that like, not to be pessimistic about the flyers and how young our defensive core is, but you do need some guys that like a Niskanen, there's a flyer who have been there before and can help lead it. And that's basically what Niskanen has been doing this entire season. But I feel like that's going to be just as, just as important as having such a good goalie. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's what's going to be so interesting to me is that's kind of why I posed the question because to your point, they're all good goalies. They're all very good goalies who are left to the, for the most part. So that makes me, and, and we don't know who is hot. Like a lot of times going into the playoffs, you kind of see a goaltender who's trending in the right direction. Yeah. We have no idea. So I like to, to your point, I, I kind of think that it might be a hot offense or a really good defensive pairing. These guys are so rested now that they can run their big, their big lines out for a lot of ice time that normally, I know the playoffs are a grind anyway, but normally they wouldn't do. So I think it's a huge advantage to some of the veteran pairings out there on the back line who can, can play upwards of, I mean, you're talking 25, 30 minutes at this point because they're just ready to go. So Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And I think to your point of a hot offense and just and kind of mixing the two points together, a team that can pull out a line that like that is a grinder line but can score. Like for the one that pops up in my head is the the Hayes, Joel Farabee, TK line for the Flyers, but the Bruins certainly have it. The Lightning have it. The Capitals certainly have it with Tom Wilson. Um, 
and then it, I don't want to list three of the other team names again because that's probably boring for the listeners. But like, I feel like that also might be really like the one of the bigger X factors in this entire thing is can you get that vibe going? And if they had it going in the pre-COVID stoppage, can they get it back? Right, right. And so it's yeah, and I think it's anybody's game. Um, yeah, which I think is really, 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 really interesting as well. Like this is. Uh, compared to the next sport we're going to talk about, where I don't think it's anybody's game, although we'll have the discussion shortly here, like the NHL always is kind of more open to, to, to hot teams or surprise teams or dark horses, um, which which leads me to the Southern bubble, if you will. Yes. <laughs> and that would be the NBA playoffs, which are returning. Um but what we've actually seen is that a lot of NBA players aren't returning. <laughs> yeah, a lot of um, sit-outs. Yes, especially from the Nets for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's kind of crazy because I don't think Durant was going to come back anyway, but Kyrie might, might have, but then there was all the drama with him and, and you know him bringing up some good points, but then it also wanted, he wanted to start his own league. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with the NBA. Yeah, I, I think a couple things, though. I think if you're the Nets, you're thinking – and this is kind of the, an issue that I've had with baseball for a while, but do you, I don't think they feel like they can win. So why, why risk something, you know, when you don't feel like you can actually win a title? Sure. Um, again, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get in the head of anybody. I'm just thinking from an outsider's perspective, maybe you should just not play. <laughs> so do you like the format the NBA brought for the end of the season? Yeah, like yeah. I don't. Again, I think whatever you do is better than nothing, as I've stated. So, um, I mean, I've seen some of the food, apparently. Yeah, apparently <laughs> that that and the WNBA are are both apparently horrendous in terms. If you have not seen this, uh, one headline that I saw that was probably clickbait, but still it caught my attention was NBA food compared to Firefest. Um, which oh, I saw that too. Yeah, anything. I think it was Yahoo that sent it out on the on the Yahoo app. But anything that's compared to the Firefest should not be thrown around lightly. So uh, that that's pretty insane. Right. Um, I, I I thought it was kind of. I don't of know weird. if I like the regular season. Yeah, part. That, like that, that's what I was gonna say is. So they they decided to do this. We we talked about this on a couple different podcasts that they there's nine teams available in the East. There's 13 of the 15 available in the West to play. To try to qualify for four playoff spots, they still did it east-west, which I thought this was the opportunity for Silver, who is the one who's been talking about doing all this crazy stuff. He just came up with a weird finish the regular season, kind of get an idea of seeding, and then we're going to do the playoffs that we always did. He could have done one to sixteen, which I've been on the record with this before, and I will say it again. I think both basketball and hockey should do one to sixteen, reseed twice. You get you stop getting people complaining about where you know they had a bad first round draw, bad second round draw, whatever. Or he could have done something similar to the NHL, where he said these teams that are that are wherever they you know we can do a 2014 tournament or they yeah because they knocked out however many teams they knocked, no, no, the 22 team tournament. There's 22 teams available. We do that. We do the World Cup thing they threw out. I thought that was a really interesting idea, a very Adam yeah. Silver type of idea that I thought was really interesting. Uh, but instead, we have this fake, this makeshift end of the regular season, the one that I really hope they wouldn't do, and they still did it, 
is that they schedule they cross scheduled between the west and the east. You could have easily done a round robin in the east. You figure out a way to make it advantageous to a team like the Lakers and the Clippers, who it's the 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 magic number for the Lakers to to clinch is like three, the one seed, and like I don't know why you need to have them play like this crazy schedule and all this sort of stuff. Like make it easier for them that they don't they don't need to like really exert themselves. Make it a little cooler for the for those seven teams that are floating around at the bottom of the West. Have them play each other mainly, and then maybe have a couple of them play the Rockets, Thunder, and and Jazz because they're hanging around there. Um, I don't know. I I feel like I'm I'm more upset than most people are about the fact that they cross scheduled. I just think it's dumb that they did. Yeah. Well, look, and here's here's the other thing. I, I, like, I'm just gonna name some teams here that to me have no business being here. Uh, the Suns and and the Wizards should oh, yeah. not be here. Thousand percent. Sorry, nothing against these teams. The, the Wizards, Bradley Beal isn't even playing. Yeah, um, they're five and a half games out. That's the same clip as the pun intended as the Clippers and Lakers. They're like they right. have to lose two games and they're done. Right. I, I I can't. I'm honestly, to be honest with you, struggling with the Spurs, the Kings. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I, and I would say the Pelicans. I know that Zion's a big draw. Yeah. You know, like why? Like any team. I mean, you almost want to say any team under 500 shouldn't be in. Um, they've had a season. They've had a, a, a large majority of their season to get here. Um, I feel like we're, you know, like and I, look that would that would mean the Memphis Grizzlies who are one game under 500 wouldn't make it. Okay. I, I don't know. I guess I struggle with some of those. You know. Yeah, I don't know if I like it. No, I agree with you. I, I would have almost said that too of just say, hey, we want to accelerate this thing or we want to give the Bucks who in a similar situation, there's is actually, I think, two. They're six and a half games up on the Raptors for the one seed. Like give them and say to the defending champions, you know what? The, Bro- the Brooklyn Nets are 30 and 34. We're going to just say no to them. You guys get a bye. And we're going to get, we're going to have the Sixers play the Celtics, the Heat play the Pacers. We're going to figure it out there. We'll do a full seven game series. You know, maybe do a couple warm-up games. Like, because that's the big thing, right? Is that they want to make sure these guys are ready to go and, like, kind of used to the scenes. Um, right. And all that sort of stuff. But, like, at the same time, you have this... You have not necessarily even super teams, dynamic duos, you want to call them, that are doing so well. And, I don't know, teams weren't actively tanking. I wouldn't say the... war. Like, I don't know. Like, kind of they are, but kind of they aren't. Like, the Warriors and Cavs are in dead last in their two conferences. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say like maybe, maybe the Warriors are trying to trying to load themselves up for a lottery pick. I don't know. Um, because Steph and clay are coming back next year and just get a, you know, get, a, get one of the big, the big names coming out of college basketball. And they're, they were coming, they were blanking out of my brain. So I tripped over my words there, but I don't know. I, I think you're right that it's kind of wild that, that this, uh, this, you know, there's so many teams involved. The idea of the if you're within oh so many games, you're gonna have this. You need to win two. The eight seed only needs to win one to just be the eight seed to face the Lakers and the Bucks again because it's so likely it's gonna be them. I don't know. It, it's just for as radical of ideas as Adam Silver's thrown out. I just feel like we could have been in for so much more of an idea. This could this honestly was more like an idea that hockey would have thrown out to just be like, all right, we're back. Here you go. Because we've seen that at Gary Bettman so many times. To be like, all right, here you go. You wanted it. There you go. And Adam Silver would have been the one coming up with like, oh yeah, we're gonna have, we're gonna have the the lottery happen, but we're gonna still have it as an opportunity that the, 
that the Brooklyn Nets, who just got Kevin Durant, could get the first overall pick. Like that right. seems more like an Adam Silver idea, not a Gary Bettman idea. Right, right. I will say this. Let's talk quickly here about about our Sixers. Um, their schedule is nice to them, if, my, if I'm reading this correctly. Yes. You go Indiana, Spurs, Wizards, Magic, Portland, Phoenix, and then you end with two difficult games against Toronto and Houston. But I love the way that lays it out. Again, I'm not. The Pacers are a good team. Don't sleep on them. The Spurs are always a good team. Uh, Portland has, you know, has Lillard and McComb. So, but you're not taking taking on a big dog till much later in this little thing. Yeah. And I think that's going to work out really well for them. Um, they can kind of work their way towards form while playing teams that you should think a Sixers team. I know their record was worse than the Pacers, but that they should beat. Um, Simmons is fully healthy and beat is fully healthy. It's go time. There's a lot at stake here, but I'm excited about it. Yeah. It's going to be pretty interesting to see because they'll, you know, they, they lead off, like you mentioned, playing the Grizzlies who, you know, right there under 500 team. Indiana might be an interesting game. That's their fourth game of the year. Um, which is funny. NBA.com has it as like NBA weeks. So it's technically week 22 is that game against the Pacers. Um, but yeah, like the Wizards are completely, they're completely undermanned. They're probably going to be out of it at that point. And just like basically counting down the days until they can leave. The Magic might be an interesting game. Uh, it, it's just, it'll be, it'll be wild to see what ends up happening. Because I feel like, we mentioned a little bit that, that a lot of different names are, are deciding to sit out and, and you know what, that's your that's your right to do it. Um, right. And who knows what ends up happening. I mean, Joel Embiid even expressed his concerns, but I feel like he feels that sense of duty to want to come down and play. And I don't know if that's to silence critics or if it's to appease right. us as the, as the Philadelphia faithful. Um, you know, I don't know, but he, you know, they're going to go down and, I just hope that they do get into they do get into the form that we wanted them to get into all season. And they showed flashes of mainly in the Wells Fargo Center, but it'll be it'll be fun to see. I mean, hopefully they yep. they can play well outside of the Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be that's definitely a concern because they feed off the crowd energy at at the well. But that's something that this team has got to get over. Yeah. Um, so, so you mentioned uh, it a little we'll... bit with baseball, and uh, this mm-hmm. is on topic with the Sixers. One take that I heard early on in quarantine of whenever this all resumed what or if it, it didn't resume at all was that it took away from just the the storylines that were starting to build up one specifically being brett brown what do you think like what do you think he's feeling coming into this do you think there's any sort of pressure on him specifically as the coach do you think his job is in any sort of jeopardy now versus before quarantine how are you feeling about him uh, i would say that it shouldn't be like, I really mean that. I don't, I don't think he should have any concerns about his job because of everything that's happened. This is such a, you know, t- to judge somebody off of this is going to be such a challenge. So personally, I would, I would almost want to say to Brett, you know what, if I'm, I would say, you know what, you're, you're our coach next year. Go out, go out and, 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 and take all the pressure off of him and these young kids and say, hey, look, this is a, this is a gift that we're even having these playoffs. Go have a good time. Like, work hard. I'm not saying not work hard, but I'm saying if you take the pressure off of him, I I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about it. Um, I know that pressure can be good sometimes, but also I think about, like, on the golf course, when I start playing poorly, after a while, I go, what? Like, I'm not playing for anything. Next thing you know, I'm ripping pars. Because you're just playing to have fun. That This team is to play to have fun. That's what they do at home. It's not what they don't do it on the road. 
So that's, I would sit him down if Josh Harris, I'd say, look, your job's safe. We're having you start the season as our head coach. So go out there and have fun with the guys. They work hard, but have fun. I know that that's how I would handle it. Yeah, I know. I love that. I love that thought. Yeah, I, I would hope it's not. I feel like that was mainly media buzz from the national side of things. And it was a national take that I heard talking about like, oh, you're going to forget about that Brett Brown was, you know, this bad guy, you know, whatever it was. Um, give you three guesses what Boston, what Boston uh, original national, originally from Boston national sports person said that. I'll give you three guesses. Huge Celtics fan. Um, but we move on to the NFL. And you wow. mentioned it. Wow. That's all you need to so, say about this. Uh, well, actually, no. I'll tell you what I feel about it. I think this is a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. I think this is one of the, the most intelligent moves by both Patrick Mahomes, now you know what we're talking about, and the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I am blown away with – I think both sides had to make some concessions. Um but it couldn't make more sense. He he is in three years. He has an MVP and a Super Bowl. And and not by accident. He didn't back in. I mean, this guy looks like everything you've ever wanted in a quarterback. You know, I I am <laughs> like I I love it, man. I, I think it's a huge win-win. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think it's huge win-win. I mean, there's always the the immediate talk of. Can they hold on to it? They're the memes of like, oh, they have a dollar fifty left to pay the rest of their team, all this sort of stuff. But I think you're right that this is a transcendent player that that has certainly the hardware already to show for it. He's made back to back AFC championship games, potentially could have gone to back to back Super Bowls, won one of them. Maybe wins two yep. of them. Who knows with how that with how the Super Bowl fifty three between yep. the Patriots and Rams went. Um I feel like it is a no-brainer, and we've seen this time and time again with what Tom Brady did with the Patriots, of having the ability to restructure, of him getting his, you know, getting what is guaranteed, which is only about 153 million. But still, he'll. I mean, the incentives that are built into his contract, I feel like he'll hit because we yeah. thought we thought maybe he'll have a sophomore slump, or I guess technically a third-year slump. Would he be able but to do it again? Him. And he did. He won the Super Bowl. Uh, yep. I mean. <laughs> It'll be really incredible to see what they do. He's done it with a with a whole gaggle of receivers that have been either injury, you know, quote unquote injury prones that he turned into superstars like a Sammy Watkins or different guys. He has one of the fastest NFL players ever in Tyreek Hill on his side. He is one of the best. But say one of the one of the best NFL players, one of the best tight ends currently in the NFL in Travis Kelsey. He's got the weapons around him and go after it for right now. And I feel like, like with the Seahawks, who you can say that they only, you know, that they lost, you know, they missed out on a bye, you know, a win a season, and they missed out a, a bye by a game twice. They missed the playoffs by a game once. And you can say all this stuff, but they're still in the, they're still always in the conversation with Russell Wilson and how much they're paying him. And I feel like whenever the Ravens decide to do that with Lamar Jackson, it'll be the same thing there because I feel like that's, it's the route the NFL is certainly going. And I don't know. I feel like Mahomes is, he is the, the perfect model of it right now of having the cannonball arm, but also being able to scramble and get it done. I mean, just look at any highlight reel on YouTube. Right. So just, just to make sure we're clear, he essentially signed what is going to be 
including the two years he has left on his rookie contract, a 12-year, $503 million deal. That's the most it could be. Yeah. Um, so that's a, first of all, it's one of the largest contracts, if not the largest contract in the history of sports. Makes him the highest paid athlete in, in um, I think, the world right now. He beats out Mike Trout, and that's definitely in the United States. Um, and a couple things with this deal. The next two years, I don't believe he's getting a pay raise. So this allows oh, wow. the Chiefs, to, you, I, I, as far as I've been able to tell, it doesn't, it doesn't really, it's just an extension. Um, and that's amazing because it should allow them, and I'm, I'm double checking on my, 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 uh, what's it called there? So, um, oh, the old what's it called? So my numbers there, excuse me. Um, cause I, again, I'm not like, convinced that it friendly? goes up the next two years. So they can sign some guys. They potentially can sign Chris Jones, their excellent defensive tackle, um, or defensive end, depending on where he's playing. So I think it's, it gives him a little bit of wiggle room and someone said, well, it's, it's way too much money. It's actually really not. When you look at it compared to a lot of the other quarterbacks, he's right there. If not under guys like Ryan Tannehill, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. So he's not really making, yes. Is he making a little bit higher percentage wise than them? Yes. The number I saw is his cap hit will be roughly 15%. And, and that's, that's a lot. Don't get me wrong, but Andrew Luck had a 14.9 before he retired. Goff is, in, is 14. Newton and Wentz are both in the 13. So it, it, the next few years, he's going to be okay. And, and even then, he's probably not playing this deal out not in a bad way they could but they're they're going to meet with him because the salary cap's going to go up and so they're going to meet with him to restructure to give him more money um most people i hear is uh 2025 area is where they'll start to renegotiate not cut you know just renegotiate um so just as a thought i mean it's not a bad i just think it's a great deal um yeah, and also there's a weird thing. So there's a gar- – I just was reading about this. There's a guarantee mechanism. Did you hear about this? No. Okay. So uh, NFL contracts are really fascinating, and it's why they pay people a lot of money, like a Howie Roseman, to understand the cap, right? So a lot of contracts, they don't guarantee until a certain point in the league season, which means that you saw this example with Larry Wofford. Uh, he's a ta- guard for the Saints. He was on their roster but not guaranteed any money. They draft. They were able to draft a guy to replace him, and then they cut him at no cost for them. Well, Mahomes' contract has a guarantee mechanism. So third, three days into the league year, they have to guarantee his contract not only for the year that they're in, but for the year after that as well. So it, it, what it's essentially doing is he, it makes him impossible to cut. Yes, you could cut him. I, I'm saying, let's say there's a catastrophic injury or he forgets how to throw a football. You could cut him, but for the next two years, or at least that year, you're going to have a cap hit that's literally unsustainable to handle. Wow. So the money isn't necessarily guaranteed, but it essentially is because of that guarantee mechanism um, that kicks in. So he, so yeah, so that's going to be probably the biggest concern. That's incredible. Um, for exi- yeah. So just as a, a thought, and very rarely do and a lot of the superstars have this mechanism. One of the few guys, because it's called a practical guarantee, but not a guarantee, is like Todd Gurley was one of the few guys that the Rams cut out of a practical guarantee that's going to cost the Rams moving forward. Um, so anyway, 
that's just kind of the 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 gist of his contract. Um, no, I love it. I'm glad you broke that down because I would have done a, a terrible job yeah. and butchered it entirely. Now, by the way, his biggest year is 2027. He has a $10 million base salary and a $49.4 million roster bonus. So that's almost $60 million, <laughs> which means in 2025, which is amazing, but that's probably why they're going to consider trying to restructure him, assuming everything goes as planned around 2025, because if they do it then, they don't have to guarantee that 2027 season. Not going to cut him. They're going to restructure to spread out the hit of the cap. So it, it, he's not going anywhere, right? Almost no matter what. But there's some key points in the contract where you'll probably see them decide to extend him because he'll be like, you know, today's NFL quarterbacks are playing into their 40s, so it's a good idea. Um, and that, so that 2027 figure guarantees in 2026, so they want to get that done before that. That's why 2025. Um, yeah. So I'm just throwing out some interesting statistics. Um, he is the only two players are under contract now. Uh, past 2026. Wow. Patrick Mahomes and Lane Johnson. Deservably so. Right. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I, I, before we switch to golf here, mm -hmm. I'll let you have a, a say here in a moment, but there, I think there's another really important thing that we're seeing. How does this contract affect Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson? That is a very good point. That is the a, experts. The experts think it's great. Yeah. For them. Oh, no, that sorry, sorry, a, sorry. It's, I'm sorry. It's great for their teams, not them. So maybe so because he's not blowing away the market. And so they're not going to pay him. They're not going to pay those guys like Mahomes. So by being just under the market, like again, he's, he is pushing the market, but he's not, he's not, blowing it blowing it away so i've been told that it's probably good for those two teams um that this happened it'll it'll help them sign those guys for slightly less there you go that is incredible i love it maddie d breaking it down because we needed that out of them or we yeah. need you for and, it because i would have fucked right up. no and it, it gives them the ability to play in long term and it's it's why they might be able to get a guy like like chris jones signed maybe not but they might be able to so um it also gives them some time to recoup some draft picks that they've lost, knowing that knowing that this guy's going to be here. I don't think this sinks a team at all. Um, and any any relay team is going to figure out how to be good. And now you've got arguably a guy who has the potential to be the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm not stating that he is. He's got a win like Brady and put up statistics like Manning. But boy, he hasn't. I mean, there's not even a red flag with this guy there's no yeah. off the field issues there's no on the field issues he somehow gets better um it's like a fine wine you know i love our boy i do love carson <laughs> but he gets injured right and that that's his big knock and he has some other things in the field like mahomes there just isn't a lot of weakness with him so it's a no-brainer deal i'm gonna say this now because you brought up carson you know how much i love carson wentz yep i'm doing the the big three o posts don't be disappointed if there's another number eleven that I like a little more that gets represented, and that okay. a, and that a certain number nine does get that's represented. Okay. I'm not saying that I thought that's what the Eagles should have done, 
I'm glad what they did, and I love Carson Wentz. I'm just saying that right now. Not spoiling the list of the Instagram athletes. For those that don't know, don't read the Thunder blog. I've been counting down the days to my 30th birthday, and now down the days till baseball. My favorite sporting events. Today, Matt, was the was our senior year Lehigh Lafayette game. I saw I saw the post. Yes. You like the uh, the the cross through of Matt Knight claim <laughs> across it out. Matt Knight did start the block that kick chant. Um That's true. We it did. Is true. We did. Um yeah, and it was great. And today was I don't know how I didn't think of Vince Carter right away. He was number so July eighth, twenty three days, uh, fifteen days to July twenty third. I don't know how I didn't think of him right away. Uh, Sorry, everyone has moments of weakness. Nine I years ago, I did Dustin was still on the jacket. So. There That's you go. A good point. How did I do Dustin Pretoria so, with the Boom Laser Show? That commercial, remember that thing? That was a great commercial. It was a great commercial. That must have been it. That or Greg bribed me. Um, <laughs> before we go to golf, I didn't put this on our show notes, but it did come out in between that. Do you have any thoughts on just the developing developing story with uh, the NCAA and the Ivy League deciding to delay sports to 2021, Stanford cutting a lot of stuff? Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Just with every, like with everything in this, in this pandemic, I, I think the hardest part is I can't blame the schools for making decisions like that. But I think the one part that's really sad is that I, this is where the NCAA should be the good guy and figure out a way to say to these athletes, if you want to – how can we give them another year of eligibility? How can we do what's best for the student athletes in this case? Um, yeah. It's tough though. And again, the problem is, as, as I've been talking with people just in my personal life, there isn't a playbook. You know, there's no, you can't look back at a historical precedent and say, well, uh, in the last pandemic, we did this. There's just not, there's just no answer for it. So it's sad, man. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I, I would hate to lose college football, but if it has to be lost, it has to be lost. You know, I, for the safety of others, uh, it's just uh it would be tough. By Saturdays, would be much different. It would be. I mean, we'll have a, uh, you know, we'll have baseball at least. But um, right, if they push it to the spring, you know, the spring of 2021 might turn into something, uh, something pretty incredible. Hopefully, <laughs> though, the Lehigh Lafayette streak doesn't break, even if it's they play eight times and Lehigh wins all eight of them. Um, had to throw it in there. One thing we didn't mention with the Phillies, the schedule, or really with baseball, the schedule for the first time in I think it's 130 years that baseball teams from Pittsburgh and Philadelphia will not be playing each other. How sad is that? Wow. Kind of sad. I kind of wish they, we could do that, but yeah. it is what it is. You that know? could have been something cool, not mm-hmm. to completely go back onto baseball, but if they had done some sort of quote unquote realignment to figure out how to like streamline the, the schedule. I know like Pittsburgh obviously is, is pretty close to Cincinnati, but you know, they, you know, figure out some way to, to do a larger, just even just east west it gets funky with the the way that the central and the western divisions are built in the american and national league especially the al west being two teams in the central division and three teams in the pacific and in the pacific time zone or central time zone and three being in the pacific time zone one being the pacific northwest but that could have been interesting um yeah let's go over to golf oh we let off with it and matt i forgot to brag at the beginning my mom pete and i won the golf mills uh fourth of july tournament this past saturday so big congratulations big ups to us big ups to us i love it i love it the flag tournament it was great the way it works matt is you take a best ball from it's a best ball game you go you have a flag in in one of your in one of your bags take the best ball when your group shoots their net 56th shot you plant the flag where the ball lands so we put it out on the 18th hole at a 56 
Now, you know golf holes. Ah. Yes, I do. The first hole is very hard. Oh, yes, it is. We all got strokes on it. So because that, that drive is technically your net zero shot, we were allowed <laughs> to hit one more shot on the first hole. Going into an extra inning, extra hole. That's pretty cool. So our ball, our flag was planted firmly, 250 yards out on the first hole, and we won. No one else made it into into the 19th hole. I love it, dude. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, great win. Pro shop credit, no trophy, but uh, you know, I'll take. I, for, hey, take I have. Shop I'm credit. currently. I am. I'm a big pro shop. Currently wearing a, a pro shop credit hat from Golf Mills. And I need to get back over to get some more golf hill swag soon. I love the logo. I love the shirts and the options. So oh, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Um, we'll get you out soon. I'm allowed to bring out guests again, as you know. You uh, you already yes. had some some guests coming to your club, Chester Valley. Shout, gonna, out, we're, shout out to them. We're going to – yep. But uh, We're going to spin it around. I like that. I'm in. Let's go. Put it in soon. We got, well, we, we're going to need a rematch of that competition. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk idiots. about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we can wrap Off up with line. story time. We can wrap up with story time. The stuff that uh, but, only like five people care about. We can wrap up with that at go. the end. Look. We're going to talk about the biggest, I think, idiot. You, know, you and I have gone back and forth with this. Although I've bet on him a number of times, so I might be the idiot. Bryson DeChambeau wins last week in Detroit. But it was not without controversy, Matt. On Saturday afternoon, between the 7th and 8th hole, he uh, got a little angry with a cameraman after... Duffing a ball, or really blading it, I guess, in the bunker. He's a little upset that he was getting up in his face, as he was thinking. Um, Matt, your thoughts on Bryson dominating? Because he shot a, I think, 7-under on, on Sunday. But also his behavior on the golf course. So, let me start by saying this is great for golf as a brand. I know he was mad about his brand. but And then Kepka shooting out a little, a little tweet. Without Tiger... And with, with kind of this, the, the, the step back, if you will, that got that the, young, the young crowd, I'm talking of Jake, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, they, and Rory McIlroy, they've all kind of taken – they're not good players. They're very good players. They're some of the best players in the world. But they haven't been winning the big stuff right, right recently. I know Rory had the Tour Championship last year, but you need something to spark a casual golf fan's interest. Well, how about one meathead – and I'm, I'm quoting this. I'm not insulting them. How about one meathead who buffed up in his smoke and drives and now is winning stuff and another kind of meathead in Brooks Kepka who has made some other comments that some golf purists have not liked going at it with each other a little bit. I would love to see. Let's get a rivalry. It could be a friendly rivalry. Brooks obviously has supported Bryson. Um, so I personally didn't care for his actions. But if you're golf, I think you're okay with them because I think it's a big win for you to get in to get in the news, and be and have some publicity to keep pushing the sport. Um, but I also don't want the young kids to think it's okay to act like Bryson in terms of how he treats cameramen, and some, sometimes this is general golf demeanor. Oh yeah, it's literally the plot of Happy Gilmore. Of Happy Gilmore <laughs> is freaking out. He threw the rake to be with his his friends in the woods. You know, he didn't actually do that, but something similar to it. But he's just electric, and he brings people onto the TV. It brings the conversation away from who's the bigger asshole, the billionaire baseball owner or the millionaire baseball player for not wanting to play. It brings it away from, you know, just general pessimistic demeanor about the coronavirus, that they're able to do this sort of stuff, including in golf of the of the coronavirus, 
rearing its ugly head. Brooks having to miss the last couple weeks because of his caddy right. contracting the coronavirus. You know, and and the fact that Brooks is staying involved with it, not just in being in a in a certain name of the year competition, which is electric if you listen to that podcast. But being with this rivalry with Bryson, it started with with them kind of going back and forth, very friendly, and 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 Brooks just saying the, "Hey, call me when you have four majors." To them defending each other, and now having this this back and forth, and it and it is incredible. You're getting guys with with these personalities that have always kind of been there, but they've been able to blossom this way. Like Max Homa is a great example of this, and how he just turned into the. It's whatever the antithesis of a swing coach is on Instagram. For those that don't know, <laughs> if you tag, He's awesome. If, if you tweet or tag on Instagram, Max Homa of you playing golf, he will tell you how bad your golf swing is. And the comments <laughs> are so fucking funny. And this guy has been on the tour. He played, man, I walked with, with him and a bunch of other guys around his Cal golf team. They all qualify for the U S open at Marion. And they are like, it's like us, but can actually play golf. Like they just fuck around with each other for four hours. They are hilarious. Like and this guy's just been like floating around to the tour. He's done. He's done decently well, and now he's like really coming to his own there. Obviously, Kevin Kisner with all the different stuff with the barstool guys. He's really coming to his own of just coming of being this personality. The way that golf has found a, a unique way, and whether it is the barstool guys helping out that way, bringing a younger crowd, bringing it a different, a different vibe to it. And and all that sort of stuff. And Bryson is certainly a part of this, that he started out as the mad scientist. He bulked up. You and I are firmly on this. Jared and I debated this la- again last week of that he is bulky. He's not fat, bulky. And that and like he constantly has a story around him of all this different stuff. Whether he's right. purposefully doing it or not can be mm-hmm. maybe debated by golf historians for you know for the next hundred years was this yeah. guy a crazy person or was it all calculated because he's everything in his life is calculated right and look we'll see what happens with him so you can hit long drives I, I, he by the way he is not a one-trick pony he's a very good player oh yeah so, like, his short game is but, always really good right right so, added power. I, the leg, right but let's see what happens for example he is the favorite at the masters i'm not convinced I've never felt There's like Augusta a lot of, was a, a lot of hot during the year, guys that fade hard. Yeah. At the and I also one of them didn't even like end up Masters... playing. He dropped out that week. Dustin right. Johnson. I don't feel like the Masters always favors the longest player. Like the, the course has never been set up that. But to me, except for Bubba, it doesn't Bubba was the only one who exploited it because he was left-handed. Right. Yeah. But so I'm just saying, like, like to me, like the U.S. Open, he would be. I think he's better suited for a U.S. Open than he is for. Uh, the masters but i digress a little bit it was a great win for him to kind of um validate the work he's put in to get his body as strong as it is but we all know that golf is not always about how strong you are so can he do it in a major drive Um, show puff for dough baby right can he do it in a major that's where he's gonna have to compete and this nothing like matthew wolf is a fine player but he matthew Wolf's not a top dog so what happens he's he's fun though him, Victor Hovland, oh. all these dudes oh. that premier no, 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 that were no, no, rookies no, last no. year, they're great. There's no, no, no. I'm, I'm in agreement. I'm saying let's let's see him go head to head, you know, at oh, a, oh, a, oh, a, a, a major Sunday. with what you're saying. right with a Justin Thomas or a Brooks Kepka, you know, somebody of that level. Not that Wolf won't be there, but let's see how he does in a head to head matchup. Because quite frankly, 
Brooks isn't going to be intimidated by the length. No. He, he, Bryson might outdrive him, but Brooks is not is not going to have a problem with that. You know, Brooks Thomas won is the not going to have a problem with that. Ago with Tiger Woods roaring on Sunday. Right, right. Yes, correct. At like a machine, he won. So uh, that's my only point is let's see if he could do it because, you know, again, it doesn't always matter how long you are. Um, how do you feel in the next two weeks being at Murfield? Yeah, so it's interesting. Murfield Village in Ohio. I said Murfield. Yeah. That's fine. It's all good. Um, it They grabbed this first week mainly because so many places had to cancel. Um they decided to try to do something unique of keep the greens running a little slower, the rough a little shorter, and the course a little shorter. They have a 399 par 4, 399 yard par 4, excuse me, which, you know, we've seen that in the last couple tournaments, both Brooks and Bryson going after it. Um, so now we, we can possibly see it with a couple other pros of what they decide to do. Um I mean, speaking of Bryson, he won the the memorial a couple of years ago. So this, of course, he's done well at. Mark uh, Mark Leishman normally does well at this. Patrick Cantlay won the memorial last year, so he's expected to do pretty well. Justin Thomas always plays here pretty well. All of them are suiting up this weekend. Um, it's it'll be really interesting to see what they end up doing because this first week, they've even kind of the 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 course I should say the 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 maintenance crew and the 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 tour professionals i guess i don't know what the correct terminology is but they've kind of said this is kind of the the warm-up week the dress rehearsal to the memorial and there was different ideas that got thrown out of how they wanted to do it that didn't end up you know the silver ideas that we were talking about earlier in the podcast these kind of crazier ideas that could have been you know obviously they couldn't do some sort of pro-am because that would have been just a complete disaster probably likely with coronavirus yeah. but like come up with do you want to replace the 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 alternate shot tournament that you do that you've been done i think it's the zurich classic the one in new orleans um do you want to just replace that and have it this week or or you know different ideas that you want to do there again covid kind of throws a wrench into a lot of this so you almost have to think of, of unique ideas or a stableford or something like that but jeff stack jeff shackleford had the idea of just switching the nines just to say fuck it let's you know let's try something different but I, I yeah. like it. I like that there's some that there is some idea of, you know, granted the greens are running slower than they're supposed to next week. But say this week the winning score is something, you know, however under par, and well next week when it's running towards a more you know tour fast type of speed, will it, like will that be at the advantage because they played it already, so they already know the role and now it's just running faster, so. You know, they can play that, the finesse that golf pros are just so used to. Or, like, how does that end up working with them with a little, little bit more length, all that sort of stuff? I think it's a really unique opportunity. And that was something we talked about at the start of at the start of the coronavirus. And how would sports come back with it? And we, the main thing we talked about was presentation. And to, in a way, this is, this is part of that, of how a golf course presents itself. It's taking two different opportunities and would it be a psychological test going into the Memorial, which a lot of people think is a sixth major behind the players being the fifth. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And uh, I think it'll be cool to be able to see, you know, these guys play the same holes. I know that, like I said, I know they'll be different, but twice. I mean, it's just, it's somebody, it's just a neat opportunity. Um, again, do something a little different, you know, uh, it's a great golf course. would love to get there one day, even though it's kind of in a place you don't always visit. Nothing against the great state of Ohio, but it's your it flavor, it's you your, uh, flavor town. Yeah. 
I talk about that. If they would they be the Flavor Town Blue Jackets? That would be amazing. Unreal. Yeah. But um, is that the near is Ohio's, is Ohio, it near your wife's college and my mom's college? I don't know. I'm a bad husband. I don't know that's where near, Denison is. It's near, I, from my understanding, Granville, where Denison University, where Matt's wife, my parents both went to, all went to, uh, is, I think, near Columbus. Your wife went to many, uh, yeah, many of near, yeah, you are, It is near Columbus. You're definitely correct. So, yeah, can't be that far. Yeah. I like it. Um, yeah. So, I guess the other big news in golf, the Ryder Club is delayed a year. Yeah, huge bummer. It's a bummer. Uh, for a I lot understand of reasons. it though. I'm I'm happy but that I get it, it is. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same. It's not the no, same. No, it wouldn't be the same at all. Um, so, because so I had tickets to go the Thursday, the day, the last practice round day, um, and I was obviously I'm bummed that I have to wait a year to go. Next year is going to be the year of travel for me between my bachelor party, where we're figuring out what that is. If I can go on our friend's bachelor party in Europe, if we're allowed to go to Europe. From a lot, if Jake, my, one of my two best men's wedding, that's supposed to be in Barbados. So there's three countries right there, and then this going to Wisconsin, a state I've never been before. Um, that being said, it, it's better that if you know, hopefully if Dr. Fauci is correct, and we have a, we didn't even talk about this with the, with college football, but if or in college sports in general, we should not discount the rest of them. Football's a big money maker. That if Dr. Fauci is correct, and that a, and that a vaccine given that everything is successful is, is somewhere around Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, you know, that, that presumably fans are allowed back in September, 2021 president's cup gets pushed to 2022. It's, I mean, it's better. It's, it's flat out better. Um, I mean, I know just from the superintendent golf mills, he knows guys at winged foot. I'm sure your wife's your father-in-law does too who said mm-hmm. the best case scenario for them with the U.S. Open this year, if New York was in the right place, was 10,000 fans. I could only imagine 10,000 fans at the Ryder Cup. It would have been cool. I don't. I wouldn't have had Sunday tickets, but it would have been cool for the people with Sunday tickets to be able to, to try to, like, more people in theory can get around the 18th hole. And I know social distancing and everything, but I feel like the heat of the moment catches you. And I feel like that's a, it's a controversial take to say, but I feel like we've seen people in Florida go on beaches, so I feel like you can't. You can't rabid sports fans. I feel like are similar to people on Florida beaches of just being right passionate in that regard. But still, I mean, like social distancing is still is is the protocol, right? So you, it would be it would just be a disaster zone of even ten thousand people trying to be around. Whether it's Tiger Woods putting out for his his sixteenth major, or it's Tiger Woods putting out for the USA to to regain the Ryder Cup, um, or you know whomever. I'm just throwing Tiger Woods out because that's the ultimate dream. But, you know, it's it's better to to have one of the the most electrifying sports events, and it's because of the fans, be pushed to where fans can properly be there. Right. And I I agree. I mean, it's just, it's not the same. It's cool for a little bit, but it's not the same. Yeah, I mean, and even the President's Cup. Like, last year we saw it a little bit in Australia of how popular it was. And that's an event the U S traditionally kind of, you know, not necessarily phones it in, but it's not as big of a deal to us as it is, as it is the Ryder cup. I'm sure when we have kids and they get to our age and you know, the, it might be a bigger deal to them and any other events that were created like the FedEx cup and other and things in other sports might be a bigger deal to them. Cause they they have, they're steeped in deeper history, but it, you know, at the time 
that was electric because of the Australians coming out and supporting the team, Americans flying down there, you name it. You know, so I can only, like, in a place that's held, that hosted a major five years ago was when they held the PGA, you know, and probably one of the, we were talking offline before this of great golf destinations, Whistling Straits is one of them. You know, it, it just feels like you want to do it right with it hosting the Ryder Cup, and it right. sucks that you have to push it off. It opens up a week with all the majors being stacked right there to let them rest, let let us see the best possible golf for major championships. We talked about this with baseball, talked about it with the NBA, the NHL, whatever ends up happening with the NFL. You know, you want to you want to make sure that that we're getting it and not just stuffing it in to stuff it in. Um, right. So I I don't know. It's it it sucks, but it's the right move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have covered a lot. We have. Uh, but that's what's happening now. Sports is coming back, so <laughs> it's it's gonna be exciting. We're gonna yes, probably crank it up, try to crank it up as we get back to things. Um, hopefully, get you on more, Matt. I know uh, the golf course is literally a stone's throw from your backyard. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to hop back on, man. I miss having you. Having you, I miss. Of uh, it feels honestly, it's been what five months since the Super Bowl, but it feels like 15 years since we last mm-hmm. really was had our weekly weekly sit-downs to talk about football. So hopefully we still get that, even if it's just at the NFL level, which I'm kind of thinking that's where we're leaning, sadly. But I get it with college. If that means that you and I get to do the Fun V Tailgate for nearly a year and a half with a couple weeks off in between, that just means I get to talk to my buddy every week. So, you know, there are silver linings to things. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. But that'll do it. Everybody, make sure that you like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. The Bullpen Cart's what you want to search. Follow us on Twitter. Join the Facebook group. The The Bullpen Cart Podcast is what you want to search. Be a part of the conversation. Matt, again, thank you. This was a ton of fun. Yes. And that'll do it. Have a great weekend, everybody. And go Phils. <laughs>